The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Doctor's Lounge Show with Dr. Hal Schurz. Welcome back into the Doctor's Lounge. I'm your host, Dr. Hal Schurz, and every week I or my co-host, Dr. Scott, talk to you about the issues that doctors are talking about in doctor's lounges all across the United States. We try to give you the information that you need so that you'll be prepared to stand up for your health care rights and for those of your family and advocate for them. We are a... Uh, uh, supported by the Docs for Patient Care Foundation, which is the only physician-led healthcare think tank in the country. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation stands for the principles of the patient-doctor relationship, as well as healthcare freedom for all Americans. Our website is www.d, the number four, pcfoundation.org, d4pcfoundation.org. Go to our website, Learn about us, help us, support us, and uh, we will continue to do the work that we're uh, engaged in so that we can uh, continue to fight for your health care rights. I'm a little disappointed that still nobody has taken me up on the offer to contact our show and support the Docs for Patient Care Foundation and either sponsor the show or um, for $250, be a guest on the show for $500 or co-host the show for $1,000. So either nobody is listening to me, nobody is interested, or um, I'm just not reaching people. And I don't know which it is. And... Uh, um, I, uh, I, I thought that there, I had a large listening audience. Um, this is um, an opportunity to make a tax-deductible contribution to an organization that you should be supporting. So um, you should go to um, uh, uh, the, the website to go to, David, is, is what? I'm sorry. AmericasWebRadio.com, uh, uh, and it's Dr. Hal, I believe. Dr. Hal at AmericasWebRadio.com, and just send a uh, send an, a note along if you are interested in doing that. I'm not going to leave this open very much longer because I uh, am afraid that really there's no interest in doing this, and that really disappoints me. I also would like to uh, invite everybody to go to the Docs for Patient Care website and remind people, the physicians out there who listen to this show or the medical people, nurse practitioners or administrators who are thinking about direct primary care to uh, investigate our upcoming direct primary care meeting. It's just right around the corner, March 14th to 16th in Orlando, Florida. It is going to be a conference unlike any of the other ones that we've had before. We 
are having our first real true keynote speaker, which who is Marty McCary, one of the uh, um, most informed and articulate doctors in America who uh, understands the problems. You've seen him on TV. You've read his books. Um, his book, um, he'll be he'll be at the meeting for a, a book signing. Um, and uh, and in addition to Dr. McCary, we're going to have Ms. Universe 2022, who is a motivational speaker, a uh, lovely woman uh, who will be sharing her stories and inspiring people at the meeting. So sign up, go to the website, and uh, and, and do that um, soon before uh, registration closes. So I'm going to talk to you about a few things that are on my mind today. You know, I I know that Dr. Scott often talks about COVID. He's obsessed about COVID. And uh, I have a few friends who are as well who send me articles all the time about what is um, going on with the shots and new information that's coming out every month in, in uh, peer-reviewed journals about the uh, uh, misinformation that the government has has been uh, touting. And I don't talk about it that much because, quite frankly, I'm bored. I'm bored by it. But today I just wanted to share with you a few things that um, will hopefully wrap up my discussions about COVID um, in the aftermath, after the pandemic is now over and we can uh, really look back and, and uh, be, be somewhat um, critical about what happened and the response to it, if you want to be honest about it, which most people on the left, the Marxists, the Democrats, don't want to be. I think that there's a few um, lessons that have come out of this that we should learn from. So, again, you have heard me speak about things that I um, get information about from periodicals that I read, the healthcare news and... Um, the uh, the um, epic times places where uh, information is being uh, is being shared with the general audience. I also get this information from um, medical periodicals that I subscribe to, as well as one that is put out by Hillsdale College in Primus, and I'm going to share that with you. Uh, and the tail end of this COVID wrap up, the COVID redux. Um, in healthcare news, they talked about um, an issue that really is uh, quite disheartening, and that is that the um, the drug companies that made the shots received immunity for any outcomes that arose as a result of those shots. Now, nobody really thought much about this 
at the time because as a society for the most part we believe in in our public health um, organizations we believe that they had the best interests of our health in mind we trust the companies the drug companies that are making medicines that make our life better and we were frightened quite honestly about the pandemic because we really didn't understand what it was or where it uh you know it was going to lead us so we um at first um we uh gladly accepted shots we um then somewhat reluctantly accepted them not thinking that what we were getting put into us was going to be as dangerous as the as the pandemic itself that's something that as doctors we know about the cure can't be worse than the disease in this case it very well may have been and people have been affected there was um an article in the healthcare news about death rates in younger people. The death rates are up in the 15 to 45 year age group more than 20% compared to the baseline of 2019 before the pandemic. And a lot of that had been attributed to COVID itself, but the pandemic is over. And yet those death rates have not diminished. They're still up there. And so the question is why? The answer lies in the shots, what we were told we had to put into our bodies. And there is increased cardiac mortality in all ages, as well as death by stroke, diabetes, kidney, and liver disease in this 15 to 45-year age group. As an aside, as an anecdote, I have a friend who contacted me this week that he was feeling fine. He has underlying kidney disease, but that's been stable and well-managed. But he went to the doctor who was concerned for some reason about his heart. So he had him undergo a few tests, and lo and behold, he had heart issues. And they wound up doing a cardiac catheterization to look for diseases in his coronary arteries They were able to clear them, and so that was not the source of his diminished heart function. The doctor said that this must be viral. The the heart muscle not working up to its capability had been affected, and the source, without any obvious anatomic problem, needed to be likely a viral uh, cause. Well, 
what he and I talked about was that, yeah, it might have been from COVID. He had had COVID, but it's certainly just as likely, maybe even more likely, that it was from the shots that he received to prevent COVID. And that's, and that's really what, what the problem is, that our, our public health institutions, they mandated that we took a, uh, a, a shot that nobody really understood, that nobody knew the implications of. And once there was data, information <clears throat> to, to, um, implicate this or at least suggest that this might be a problem, these public health institutions tried to cover it up. The, the, um, the doctor who, um, who had been the, uh, person who early in the pandemic raised questions about the safety of the RNA COVID shots, Peter McCullough was quoted in this article as, as saying that the, this study that came out, um, by, um, uh, a, a uh, researcher by the name of Holscher, they looked at autopsies in COVID, in patients who've received the COVID-19 vaccination and found that almost 75% of all deaths were either directly caused by the vaccine or that the in- injection contributed significantly to the demise of the patient, end quote. Now, the government has incentives to avoid investigating these concerns about these shots because the CDC is complicit in this. They believe that it's in their best interest as an agency to promote the vaccines and they have willfully ignored the harm that these shots are causing to Americans. And the CDC and the FDA really are the government sponsors of the COVID-19 vaccine campaign. So as such, they're in the business of promoting the vaccines. And so they have absolutely no interest in investigating concerns about safety. Because if they did, the rates of vaccines would drop. You see the commercials on TV still. Celebrities who are telling you to get the jab. And the question is, why? Why are we still doing this? It makes no sense unless the pharmaceutical companies, the biotech companies, and our public health agencies are intertwined, and we know that they are. I've talked to you about this fact that over 18,000 doctors who were employed by these public health agencies have received money grants from pharmaceutical companies and biotech. So they're all 
interconnected. They they have they, they are all in bed with each other. And the problem is that our public health agencies are complicit, but they've also lost their way. They are uh, no longer accountable. They're no longer interested in protecting us against public health um, threats, diseases, because they've increased their scope, mission creep, if you will, and looking at other things like climate change or gun violence, which they claim are public health problems, when in fact the real public health issues are communicable diseases. And so they need to get back to where they once were. And we need to see oversight. This, These agencies are part of the executive branch. There's no oversight. There's no checks and balances. And that became painfully, painfully obvious during the pandemic. And I'll get into that in just a moment. But because the CDC, the NIH, the FDA, they have a stake in this. And because they are, they don't want this investigated, um, people who have been harmed because of the shots are not able to seek recourse when the government agencies are complicit. They are liable for malpractice and malfeasance. If I, as a doctor, knowingly gave a treatment that I knew was harmful or that was questionable without informed consent, I would be subject to serious consequences. I would lose my license. I'd be liable for financial penalties. And I could even potentially be thrown in jail. Well, that is not what is happening with these COVID shots and people who have been harmed. It's not what's happening to the people who have knowingly given these shots who have who have promoted this this um protocol this regime of shots knowing that there were problems knowing that there were potentially fatal side effects as a result of this they are guilty of malpractice and malfeasance and yet they are sheltered they are immune to um, any kind of recourse. Um, when it was clear that the um, injections had serious side effects and they did not stop the transmission of COVID as they were to- as we were told they would, the government should have suspended this injection program, just like they did in the 1970s with the H1N1 vaccine. And um, the mandates 
should not have been put in place. There was no informed consent. There was coercion. I couldn't go to the hospital and work unless I got a shot. Now, these cases should be tried in in a malpractice civil court, and they're not. And people who have been harmed are um, are now suing the government. There's a process in place for these claims to be adjudicated in a uh, in a, a special program, which is called the uh, Countermeasures Injury Compensation Program, and basically, it it um, it shelters the the drug companies, and and it uh, will give a a small st- uh, a small compensation, which is hardly hardly uh, anything to the people who claim that they have uh, been injured by the shots. Um, there are six people who are suing in a federal court in Louisiana who are challenging this and saying that this should never have been the case. And um, and But we are not going to see any kind of uh, recourse for these people. This will not be solved, not be fixed, as long as the Democrats, the left, the leftists, the Marxists, hold the reins of power because they do not want this to be exposed, to have their um, role in this exposed. So this is really one of the reasons we need to see a sea change. Um, let me um, let me share with you um, a couple of things more about this article and then move on to uh, the next thing from the COVID redux that I want to talk about. Um, the, uh, the, the, uh, policy advisor for the Heartland Institute, um, John, uh, John Dunn, um, was, uh, quoted in this article as saying that, uh, that U.S. government and the international public health Officials were culpable for civil and criminal misconduct, and um, and that immunity is only available for good faith production and distribution of a shot when and when harm was identified and deaths occurred. Continuing to promote and not warning the public and covering up the negative reports is a civil and criminal offense. And it should, um, it should nullify the Emergency Use Authorization Act that, uh, these companies were given immunity under. Um, let me, um, wrap up the COVID stuff with some, some things that I think are really important to, uh, get out there. During the Senate hearings in the last year when um, Anthony Fauci was called to Congress and he was grilled by Senator Rand Paul 
and their exchanges were fairly heated with name-calling, accusations, innuendo. Fauci basically denigrated Rand Paul, saying that he didn't know what he was talking about, which is very similar to the rhetoric that all of us as doctors faced during the pandemic whenever anyone questioned what was going on. Whenever we had doubts about what we were hearing from the public health agencies, because it didn't add up. It didn't make sense. And any thinking doctor, anyone who is honest and who is has half a brain and can really look at data and analyze it, they they could see through what was going on, including Rand Paul, who is a doctor. So when he confronts Fauci and Fauci becomes indignant and tells him, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about, he's talking to another doctor. And in fact, Rand Paul is probably just as capable as Anthony Fauci as looking at da- at data and coming to an independent conclusion that is completely the opposite of the nonsense that Anthony Fauci was trying to promote to the to the public. So, Rand Paul um, recently gave a uh, a talk at um, at Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College puts out a uh, a little um, synopsis of the talk that their speakers give at the college. And I, I subscribe to this. I am a, I contribute to Hillsdale College and get this every month. And it's actually very interesting. Um, this particular um, issue of Imprimus um, was an adaptation of, uh, of his, of Rand Paul's talk on campus. Um, at Hillsdale, uh, Hillsdale, Washington, D.C. lecture series. And I'm going to paraphrase what he wrote in here because I think it's really important. And he's, his, it's entitled The Lessons from the Great COVID Cover-Up. And incidentally, um, Rand Paul recently wrote a book, which is quite good, and I think that anybody who really wants to get into the weeds and understand what happened should read The Case Against Socialism and Deception, The Great COVID Cover-Up, which Rand Paul authored. So, you know, I think that what, um, paraphrasing this article, uh, Rand Paul said that um, the cover-up began in China. And... Uh, and that we are make you know people here um we make a big deal about that but nobody should be surprised about that because china is a communist totalitarian government so of course they would cover it up but what anthony fauci and his fellow public health bureaucrats did and might have gotten away with um is far worse 
and they would have gotten away with it had it not been for a federal judge that ordered emails to be released. And Senator Paul, Dr. Paul, and his colleagues were able to go through these emails and piece together exactly what happened with the COVID cover-up. So the emails revealed that Fauci and other public health experts were disavowing the idea that the COVID virus originated from a lab leak at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. And they were, um, they, they knew it. And these public health officials among themselves in private were agreeing that that is, that was the source of what happened. So, what changed? Why did that public information that they put out there differ from their private conversations that they had in emails? Well, um, it started in January 2020 when Fauci was told that the COVID virus appeared to be quote, inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. And that means that it did not come from nature. It had to come from a lab. And um, the the Fauci and his fellow scientists were worried about this because they knew that the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, which Fauci headed, had been funding work at that lab in Wuhan for years. They also knew that a paper um, that was written um, by a couple of of uh, researchers, including one of the Chinese researchers, described gain-of-function research. That means taking two viruses combining their genetics to a more lethal one or a more contagious one. And they did that using various coronaviruses in the Wuhan lab. A month later, just before 3 a.m., Fauci sent an email to then the Secretary for Preparedness and Response at... HHS, the Health and Human Services, and it read, quote, this just came out today, gives a balanced view. He attached an article published in Science arguing that COVID had jumped from bats to humans and seeking to discredit the lab leak theory. Why was that? Because they funded gain-of-function research from the NIAID, And they were looking for any straws, they were grasping for them to try to discredit that theory. And when people started publishing things that were far out there, that may have given some grain of credibility to another explanation other than a lab leak, Fauci glommed onto that. And he forced everyone in his sphere to accept that. Um, 
the 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 guy who headed this preparedness and response at HHS also headed the gain of function screening committee and Fauci knew that it needed to go through him in order to be approved but they bypassed him and they just gave the green light to the Wuhan lab to do this now it's it's um interesting to understand that there were people all throughout the world that were involved in this um Jeremy Farrar who is the Anthony Fauci of the UK told his brother that in the early stages of the pandemic a few scientists including me were beginning to suspect that this might be a lab accident um during that period he said quote I would do things I had never done before acquire a burner phone hold clandestine meetings keep difficult secrets and many Western bureaucrats, especially in the U.S., began using various forms of communication to shield their messages from future record requests. And um, one of Fauci's assistants instructed other government employees to avoid using government email addresses, which, by the way, is a crime. So they were covering it up as early as February of 2020. And the, um, the, in, in the middle of February of 2020, um, a Fauci ally, Peter Daszak, the president of EcoHealth Alliance, organized a letter that was published in Lancet stating that the authors, all of these scientists, stood together to strongly condemn conspiracy theories, conspiracy theories, suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin, i.e. a lab leak. And um, what people don't know is the person who organized this letter received millions of taxpayer dollars from the NIH and the State Department before and during the pandemic, and that millions more were funneled through EcoHealth to the health, to the Wuhan lab, to the Wuhan lab. Your taxpayer dollars were funded, were funding this gain of function research. A month later, in March, um, the, uh, there was a, a, uh, professor of immunology and microbiology at the Scripps Clinic, also, um, allies of Fauci, that published a paper in Nature that this was a, a virus that jumped from bats to humans. And, as more of these fake articles were written, the mainstream media glommed onto this. Anybody who questioned the lab leak were, were uh, labeled as conspiracy theorists. Social media got involved. 
the federal government got involved through intelligence agencies, the FBI and the um, and the CIA, and they um, made sure that anyone who was critical of this of this um, government narrative, anyone who tried to unmask this conspiracy was going to be subject to penalties. If you were a doctor, you could lose your medical license, you could be discredited. It was it was um, a time which was very unsettling, and I can tell you that I was one of those people who was being um, targeted by the uh, local newspaper here in Atlanta. So... Um, what what um, we know from this uh, this whole escapade is that there is no oversight, and this is what Senator Paul is bringing out: that if you have a regime, a leftist Marxist regime, which is what the Biden administration is probably run by Obama. I don't think that there it's a, a, a stretch to to even say that when you look at Joe Biden in public and he can't even put together two sentences that that make sense and the fact that Obama um, proudly, Stated he was going to fundamentally change America. I don't think that it's a stretch at all to think that we have been living through another four years of the Obama administration. But what is happening right now with our public health agencies is that there is no oversight. And... Um, Without that oversight, you can have individuals who have nefarious uh, goals who are going to influence what is happening in in government. Um, the um, when you have people like Fauci, like Peter Danzig, like Bill Gates, who is the top international funder of pandemic virus identification for decades. Um, this should really give us pause because these programs involve digging out rare viruses and working on them in laboratories without any oversight. This is letting the genie out of the bottle. And without that oversight, you will have more pandemics in the future. And this is what Senator Paul is saying. So what he proposes to prevent what happened during the pandemic from ever happening again, Congress must address the concentration of power over long periods of time in the hands of unelected and unaccountable bureaucrats. That's what Anthony Fauci 
it was somebody who had failed miserably in his role as a servant to the public in public health. He failed miserably in the AIDS crisis. He doubled down in COVID and that has resulted in millions of deaths and millions more who are going to suffer the consequences of a regime of shots that were knowingly ineffective and potentially harmful. What Senator Paul is saying is that the power that is invested in the NIAID should be divided into separate institutes that oversee different aspects of health care, one that looks at allergies, one that looks at infectious diseases, one that looks at immunologic diseases, instead of concentrating all of that power into one organization. And each institute should be led by a director who's appointed by the president, but confirmed by the Senate for a limited term of five years. We cannot allow what happened in 2020 to happen again. And without significant change, it most definitely will. The CDC is still inept. They're still making recommendations that make no sense at all. They're masking again in hospitals in New York. For what? Um, Anthony Fauci wielded tremendous power over many decades. He funded dangerous research, which led to the deaths of millions. He lied to Congress. He lied to the American people. He flip-flopped on many of his prognostications. He issued edicts that defied science, and he attacked and smeared his scientific critics, including Dr. Senator Rand Paul. And his reprehensible behavior reminded Dr. Paul of a description that was written by C.S. Lewis in his description of the moral busybody. And I'll quote that. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. Those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. We we should not allow bureaucratic experts to endanger our lives again and, and curtail our constitutional rights. It should never happen again. And we saw... We're seeing this right before our eyes unfolding with these poor people who can't even exercise their constitutional rights to gain, get recourse for the damage that was done to them from getting shots that were promoted by our healthcare organizations and sanctioned by them and promoted by pharmaceutical companies. So I'm going to spend the last 15 minutes of the show talking to you about presidential politics 
and health care. You know, the issues that are out there. I was just listening to um, an interview by Katie Couric with Kamala Harris, who they're, they're, the narrative that is out there right now is that Trump, who is going to be the the nominee, I think it is inevitable unless they uh, are successful at taking him off the ballots in states, which is uh, unlikely to happen, or unless they uh, convict him of a felony, which also I think is unlikely to happen. It could, but unlikely. Trump will be the presidential nominee, and the media and the and the Marxist Democrats are already concocting a strategy that uh, will uh, try to undermine Trump further, stating that he is a threat to democracy. He is a fascist. As such, Biden shouldn't interview, shouldn't uh, debate him because that's just giving a fascist a platform. So. There's no role for debate. And Biden doesn't even have to go out and speak about the issues because he has surrogates who can do that and talk about the danger to democracy from Trump. Well, folks, the real danger to democracy are the fascists. That's right, the fascists. But the fascists are not, are not the Republicans, or Trump. The fascists are the Marxists. They are the ones that want to take away all of your rights and concentrate power in the hands of uh, the select few um, bureaucrats that are going to control all of your lives. The issues out there are numerous, and I can, I'm can. i going to just run down the list very quickly. The border, a, a disaster, and 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 illegal migration or being invaded the economy looks better than it is but try telling that to people when they go to the grocery store foreign policy an absolute abject failure a disaster and our enemies see that we have somebody who is likely um, should be in a nursing home leading our country um, the military, it's been completely undermined. We are, we are so weak right now compared to where we once were. Energy policy. Energy is, 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 um, uh, non-existent right now compared to under Trump. Um, why are our enemies thriving? Because the price of uh, a barrel of oil has more than doubled in the Biden administration compared to when we were producing oil at record um, rates under Trump. And because of that, the rogue regimes that make money off of oil, Iran, Russia, Venezuela, are thriving. Thank you, President Biden. Weaponization of the of the Department of Justice and our legal system. You see this every day with these frivolous law law these lawsuits, these cases against Trump because of Trump derangement syndrome. Um, 
there's no victim in the New York case about him overinflating the the value of his properties. The the the, the incompetent and rogue um, district attorney. I'm sorry, Attorney General of New York, Letitia James, is questioning the value of Mar-a-Lago, which was valued at $18 million. Are you kidding me? Mar-a-Lago is probably worth at least twice as much as that. You've got to be out of your mind to say that that's overinflated, and yet they're making a case, and there's no victim in this case, which is even worse. Crime out of control. We see this every single day in every single city and community in this country. Nobody is is taking a hard stand on crime. And wokeness. Our whole our whole society is upside down. What's right is wrong. What's what's up is down. There's there's no accountability and 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 the things that we know are true are being turned upside down on their ear because that's what the left, that's what the Marxists want. So is there a difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump? You bet there is. And there's a huge difference with health care. And if you, you nobody's talking about health care in this election because every other aspect of our society is being undermined. We are under siege everywhere, and I've just gone through that list with you. In all the preceding elections dating back to 20, 2008, healthcare has been front and center uh, um, uh, in, in the conversation, but nobody's talking about that right now. And so Joe Biden with healthcare, let me just run through this list. He wants to expand Obamacare, and... What does that mean? It means increased subsidies and increased um, burden on taxpayers. And what's the goal here? The goal is getting to a socialized health care system, a single payer, and it's going to happen. Joe Biden means health care for 10 to 20 million illegal aliens. Yes, I've used that term. I'm sorry if I've offended somebody, but this is an invasion. Alien means foreign. And these are foreigners who are invading our country without vetting, and we're providing health care for them. I've got to provide health care for them at my cost. This is This is absolutely absurd. It means pushing... Joe Biden means pushing DEI initiatives. And you've heard me talk about DEI in healthcare, how it is killing us. It is ruining meritocracy. It is putting people in positions where they can harm individuals based solely on the way that they look or how they identify. Joe Biden means reduced options for patients. He's outlawed the things that have allowed patients to have more options like short-term health care policies when they lose their insurance and they can get a short-term policy for the things that they really need, a major medical plan. Joe Biden has limited that to just three months. What are people supposed to do? 
Joe Biden means no reform for out-of-control agencies like the CDC and the NIH and the FDA. I've just gone through that with you with the COVID cover-up. Joe Biden means a march toward that single-payer health care system. It means a push towards a trans agenda, allowing our children to receive dangerous treatments that they have no business getting because they are confused about who they are. Joe Biden means worse worsening veterans' care, which is a huge issue. The veterans were receiving improved care under the Trump administration, and that has gone into the toilet under Joe Biden. It means Medicare insolvency because when they put all of these other programs in place, there is no more money for Medicare. It is going to go away. So if you are a senior and you're being told that the Democrats are going to protect Medicare, that is a lie. Just like the COVID cover-up was a lie. This is what Joe Biden represents. What does Donald Trump represent for your health care? It means scaling back Obamacare. He tried to get it repealed. One vote stood in the way, and that was John McCain because he hated Joe Biden. He didn't think about the American people. He hated, I'm sorry, he hated Donald Trump. John McCain hated Donald Trump. That's why we didn't get Obamacare repealed. Uh, John McCain thought more about his hate for Donald Trump than he did the American public. Excuse me. Donald Trump means more options for patients so that they can control their health care options. Again, putting back uh, the short-term health care plans or promoting direct primary care so people don't have to deal with insurance companies can go directly to doctors who want to give them care for a a significant reduction in their health care costs and allow them to either deduct that from their taxes or use their HSAs to cover it impossible under Joe Biden. It's not ever going to happen because it is contrary to what their goals are, which is single payer. Donald Trump means more oversight of these public health agencies so we never ever again have to suffer through what we did in the early 2020s. It means more ability to have health care options. How we do that? By reforming these state certificate of need laws. And it can happen at a federal level. And what that means is that these are laws that prevent doctors from opening up hospitals and competing with these big mega medical corporations that are making health care worse and worse every year for everybody. Donald Trump means getting back to helping veterans with their health care, just like he did in his first administration. And guess what? He's been there before. He knows how to do it on day one. He doesn't have to do on-the-job training anymore. He's been there and he knows. 
It means reform of the middlemen who are sucking dollars out of health care, the pharmacy benefit management companies that are making your um, your prescription drug costs go through the roof. Donald Trump means Medicare protection because he will not weaken it by siphoning off money intended for Medicare into a program to cover all health care needs for all Americans, including illegal aliens. It means rejecting the woke agenda of DEI and trans medicine so that we can have common sense and have doctors in charge who actually know what they're doing, who are not subject to bureaucracy and, and ridiculous regulations. It means, Donald Trump means promoting state compacts so that states can get together to do a better job of providing health care for individuals who wish to cross state lines. That does not occur under Biden and it will never occur under a, of a, a Marxist Democrat regime. The Democrats are Marxists. They are. Anybody who is trying to find an excuse why that is not the case, is lying to themselves. Donald Trump is not a dictator. He is not a fascist. He is an American. And anybody who uses MAGA in a disparaging way is using that to to stoke fear and uh, and to try to undermine what Republicans want to do, which is to get back to where we are where we were. We do not want to take America into a socialized Marxist country because we know how that story ends. We've seen it all too often. So there is a difference for your health care. So pay attention to what's going on and read between the lines, my friends. Thank you for joining us today in the Doctor's Lounge, and I will be back in two weeks with uh, another episode. My co-host, Dr. Scott, will be here next week. So thank you for being with us today. Bye-bye. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on America's Web Radio are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the station. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.